I feel like I should say something uh, uh, before I really get into the message. I, I want everyone to know, um, for whatever it's worth, that I am a converted Catholic. I'm Italian. I was raised in, in the uh, Roman Catholic Church. I love Catholics. I love them all. I want to connect with them. I want them to take them further, a step further, that the Lord has caused me to take as a person that has gone to Catholic schools uh, since grade school all the way through high school, who was an altar boy, who uh, can say the Our Father in Latin. God's mercies are great, and I am not the only converted Catholic here, but I just want you to know that so that um, if... If there's some reason uh, to know that, you won't be offended by anything uh, that is historically true. Okay, so I'll just say that. Martin Luther is referred to as the founder of the Protestant uh, Reformation, and, and he never thought of himself that way. What he did, he did unbeknownst to himself. He did not know that he was going to be the grand catalyst after John Huss and, and after John Wycliffe. He didn't know what role he was really playing. Uh, all he did was post 95 Thesis on October 31 of 1570 on the church door. That was not a cannon shot at the door. That was a normal thing to do. It, he put those up there for discussion, for debate, for argument, that we might talk about these things together. That's, that's what it was there for. But the five solas were not in the 95 Thesis. But, you, but Luther's heart had, he had the five solas. He believed in sola scriptura. The Bible alone is our highest authority. A sola fide, faith alone. We are saved through faith alone in Jesus Christ. A sola gratia. We are saved by the grace of God alone. So this uh, Christus, Jesus Christ alone is our Savior, Lord, and King. And solo and soli Deo Gloria, we live for the glory of God alone. That's what it's all about. That's what salvation is all about. I got to tell this just one more time. I'll tell it till I die. When I got saved, a Roman Catholic coming into the grace of God, I fell into unbelief because I did not believe that God could save such a wretched sinner as Keith Maddy was. I could not believe it. But I found out that it was not about me. I found out from Ephesians chapter 1 that it was according to the kind intention of his will, his purpose and grace, 
to the praise and glory of his grace. It was all about him. Because I would never send my son to die for anybody. But he sent his son. He sent his son so that you would not have to perish. But that so you could have everlasting life. That's what he did. And so when Luther wrote, he was writing about things that had, that had emerged as traditions in the church. And you know you can't have both. You have the Word of God. You bring traditions alongside of it. And what happens? The traditions rise above the Word of God. And he saw that. He saw that. So summary statements from the 95 uh, Theses look like this. He said, selling indulgence, indulgences, that is, paying to get people out of purgatory. Selling indulgences to finance the building of St. Peter's is wrong. He said, the revenues of all Christendom are being sucked into this insatiable basilica. The Germans laugh at calling it the common treasure of, of Christendom. Before long, all churches, palaces, walls, bridges of Rome will be built out of our money. First of all, we should fear living in temples, not local churches. Only, last of all, St. Peter's, which is not necessary for us. We Germans cannot attend St. Peter's. You know, it's in Italy. Why doesn't the Pope build the Basilica of St. Peter's out of his own money? He is richer than Croesus. He is a famed Greek king who had, who had enormous wealth. He would be better to sell St. Peter's and give the money to poor folk who are being fleeced by the hawkers of indulgences. He's a bare-fisted guy, but all he wanted to do was discuss this. Can we talk about this? Uh, the second summary statement is, is that the Pope has no power over purgatory. Papal indulgences do not remove guilt. Beware of those who say that indulgences affect reconciliation with God. He who is contrite has plenary, has plenary, which means full and complete in all respects. He has full and complete remission of guilt and penalty without indulgences. If the Pope does have the power to release from purgatory, why in the name of love does he not abolish purgatory by letting everyone out? If for the sake of miserable money he released uncounted souls, why should he not for the sake of most holy love Empty the place. He just wants to talk about it. Can we discuss this? 
Number three, as a summary statement, Martin Luther said, buying indulgences gives people a false sense of security and endangers their salvation. Indulgences are positively harmful to the recipient because they impede salvation by diverting charity and inducing a false sense of security. Those persons are damned who think that letters of indulgence will make certain of salvation. God works by contrary so that man feels himself to be lost. In that very moment, he is on the point of being saved. Man must first cry out that there is no health in him. He must be consumed with horror. In this disturbance, salvation begins. When man leaves him, believes himself to be utterly lost, light breaks, peace comes in the word of Christ through faith. He who does not have this is lost even though he is absolved a million times by the Pope. He's a bold man. He's a crusty man. He's a strong man. He's a faithful man of God living in hundreds of years ago in the 15th century. So the battle began. He didn't know it was going to be He wrote it in, in Latin. His students translated it into German, and they distributed it. And everybody was talking about it. He could not have predicted these things. But that battle between the scriptures alone and tradition, that's when it started. And, and, and you know where it's gone. Just like the song that we sang, I love that song that we're learning. Traditions are like the sands. <laughs> they just blow around. There's, there's, there's just too many of them. You come up with all kinds of crazy things if you follow tradition. I'm not talking about holiday traditions. I'm not talking about things that are not conscience-binding traditions. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about meeting at 1030. That's a tradition. I'm not talking about meeting on, on Wednesday nights uh, for prayer. That's traditional. I'm talking about... I'm talking about... I'm talking about purgatory. I'm talking about immaculate conception of Mary. I'm talking about the veneration of Mary, which I see all over Latin America. She's put over Jesus. Maria es suprema. She's the top one. And that she was assumed into heaven. She never died. She, was, she has perpetual virginity. All these crazy traditions. They're not true. There's no evidence of this whatsoever. It's evidence to the contrary. She rejoiced in God, her Savior. And, and, and she needed Jesus. And she did not learn to speak Spanish. She didn't speak English. She, sp she spoke Hebrew, Aramaic, and she is not omniscient. She cannot receive any of these prayers. That's a deadly, deadly 
tradition. It takes the focus off of our Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus uh, describes what's hap- what happens in, in, in Matthew 15. He says, then the Pharisees and, and, and the scribes, Matthew writes this, then the Pharisees and the scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and, and said, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their feet or their hands uh, when they eat. He answered and said to them, Why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? See, that's the fight. For God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and, and, and whoever reviles his father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone, this is your tradition, if you say anyone tells his father or his mother what you would have, been, what you would have gained from, from me is given to God. He need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you make void the, the word of God. You hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me. Teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. That's, that's the difference. That's what sola scriptura is about. He says again in the Gospel of Mark, you leave the commandment of God and hold on to your tradition of men. In, in Mark 7, 9, it says, and he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting of the commandment of God in order to establish your uh, tradition. It's got to be one or the other. It's, it's got to be sola scriptura or, or tradition because, tr- because tradition, as we just saw here, will rule over. It, it, it will rule over the commandment of God, which is hypocrisy, which is absolutely horrible. Well, here's the definition then uh, uh, that comes um, from the uh, uh, Westminster uh, Confession of Faith of, of what sola scriptura is. Here's, here's what they say. I, I'll try to read it slowly. The whole counsel of God concerning all things necessary for his own glory, man's salvation, faith, and life is either expressly set down in Scripture or by good and necessary consequence may be deduced from Scripture unto which nothing at any time is to be added whether by new revelations of the Spirit or traditions of men. That's what we've got. And I say, although multiplied scriptures uh, on this topic uh, uh, could be cited, I just want to look 
at that one passage uh, that's on everybody's hearts. I, I've, I've, I, I, I must have heard it two or three times this morning. Uh, uh, we have an early prayer meeting, and, and, and I heard it again there. But let's listen to it one more time. This is um, uh, 2 Timothy 3 and verses, just, just verses 14 through 16 this time. Paul says to Timothy, but as for you, in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, you've been acquainted with the scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in, in Christ Jesus. And then what does he say? He says, all Scripture, all Scripture is breathed out by God. That's the literal translation of it. That's, that's what the NIV has. That's what uh, the Christian Standard Bible has. Uh, that's what the word inspired means. It means God breathed, the Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof or, or for rebuking, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped in every good work. Ah, it's, it's just absolutely beautiful. We have the nature of the Scriptures. What are they? What, what is the Scripture? We have the use of the scriptures. What good comes from them? What, what do they do for us? And then thirdly, we have the purpose of the scriptures. What is the goal? What's achieved uh, uh, by the scriptures? Well, as I already said, the nature of the scriptures, it's a mystery. I can't entirely grasp it. But this is what God's Word said. It is His very breath. It's His breath. It's His life-giving breath coming from His lips, from His tongue, from His throat, from His heart. It's His breath coming upon us. It's, it's warm. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's the very breath of God. And, and others may say they may say they may say prove that they say prove it and if if I should say if I should say back to them if if I should say well you know the Bible has has been written over 1,500 years by at least 40 writers, perhaps 45, from a, a variety of, of backgrounds to fishermen to kings, multiple cultures on three different continents, three different languages, resulting in 66 books. It's a collection of, of letters, sermons, poetry, prophecy. It's, it, it's all of these things, warnings. It has no contradictions. There are no errors in it. And if you think there is, show me it. I dare you, show me the error that's there. The error is with us. The misunderstanding is with us. You cannot produce one. People can say that, 
but it doesn't exist. There are no contradictions in the Word of God, not one. I challenge anybody to come and, 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 and show me one. No, these are people who, 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 who have not read the Bible. There are seamless, detailed prophecies uh, fulfilled centuries before their fulfillment. It can't be stamped out. You can't stop the Bible. The historical, archaeological data contradict nothing uh, that is in the Bible. The, the Bible is right about that. It is a self-authenticated book by its very contents. Do I think, do I think that that will convince you? If you're an unbeliever, will you be convinced by statistics? If I told you, <laughs> if I told you that, 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 that from 1816 to 1975, that two and one half billion Bibles have been printed, would that help you? And I don't know what's happened in the 43 years since. I don't know. This is, this is, this is 2018. But what, will that convince you? It won't do it. It won't do it. No matter how much you argue ab about these things, there's something that's missing. This is your trump card always. With all patience and all kindness, you have to say this. You lack something. You're missing something. You do not have the Holy Spirit of God. If you had the Spirit of God, I could go up to Mike Deckman and I could argue forever that the Bible is not the Word of God. He would never receive it. I could come up to Pastor Mark and I could fight with him over this. I could say, well, what about this? What about this? And, 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 and I could come up to any of you who, who are true believers, and you will not let go of it. You can't. You can't. Because the Spirit of God dwells in you, and he confirms when you read the Word of God, when you hear it preached, that this is the Word of God. It, it penetrates your heart. You can't help it. There's nothing you can do about it you don't want to. That's what you've got in the Word of God. You, you have got His very breath on, on paper. And see, evidence will not do it. Listen to what Jesus said. Listen to what He puts in the, in, in the mouth of Abraham in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Maybe you've never read it like this before. This is what he says. Abraham says this to the rich man. He said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, if they do not listen to the word of God, if they don't obey the scriptures, if they don't receive the breath of God on paper, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. That's what he said about evidence. As much as we treasure it and as much as we enjoy it, that's not the basis. 
the basis is the Spirit of God convincing you and persuading you and living in you that makes you believe that this, this, this is God's Word. The most precious possession that we can have is, is, is the Word of God. It's just fabulous. So who wins the argument? Does evidence win or do the Scriptures win? Jesus says, hear Moses. Listen to the prophets. That's all you need. That's what you need. Well, know that the Scriptures then, according to uh, 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 these theologians, which, which have studied this so carefully, know that when what Keith read this morning, I want him to be a pastor with us. You know that. You want him too. I know you too. When he read... They were carried along. No man ever, it's not subject to our own interpretation, but men of God were carried along, carried along by the Holy Spirit. He says that what that actually means is the same word that's used in Acts 27, 15. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. It was the irresistible Holy Spirit that, that, that carried them. B.B. Warfield says, They were taken up by the Holy Spirit and brought by his power to the goal of his choosing. That's, that's what happened. There were human minds. There were vocabularies. There were points of view. There were experiences. There were writing styles. It's so beautiful because human action in the Scripture's authorship is not downplayed. Rather, the Scriptures affirm their divine origin. This is the part of the beauty and wonder of the book that God wrote. Acts 1.16 says, Brothers and sisters, the Scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David. The Holy Spirit spoke he used David's mouth in order to speak. He says the same thing in, 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 in Acts 4.25. You said through the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of our father David, your servant. Why did the, the Gentiles rage and the people's plot of, of futile things? That's why Martin Luther called this book, he called it the Holy Spirit's book. That's what we've got. You are persuaded of that, isn't it? And because it's, it's the breath of God coming out of the mouth of God, for that reason, it is without error. It is infallible. It is perfect. It is non-contradictory. It is sure and safe and self-authenticating. It is authoritative. It is reliable. It is trustworthy. What did Jesus say? John 17, 17, when he's praying, he says, thy word is truth. He tells God the word up until that moment and the rest that he was going to reveal uh, through the apostles, thy word is truth. Sanctify them in the truth of that word. 
That's, that's what it is. That's what we've got to have, and that's what we've got. Praise God. <laughs> Exalt God. Worship God for what he has given to us. Well, what is the use of the Scriptures then? What, what good comes from them? Point number two, all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Well, what is teaching? Of course, you know, right in the text that Keith read for us, teaching in verse 14, but, at, but as for you, Timothy, continued in what you have learned. He was taught something and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. You were learning. You were being taught. And how from your childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation in Christ Jesus. That's, that's the teaching. Wisdom comes from the Word of God. The best wisdom of the Word of God is, is the wisdom concerning Jesus Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If we didn't have a Bible, if we didn't have this, as much as we can learn... Uh, from nature, and as, and as much as we are responsible, uh, to, we're supposed to know about God's divine nature and his eternal power through the things that he has made. When we see a flower, when we see a star, when, when we see all the stuff that comes from the earth that's not imported from any other country or any other planet, where did this come from? It came from the dirt. It came from the earth. All the deposits of everything here say there's a great and glorious, wonderful God. We should come to him. We should worship him. We should serve him. But because we are so dead in trespasses and sins, that common grace that's all over the entire world, we got to have something more. He gives it. He gives it. I like what Larry Reed told me last night. He said the word of God is like, is, is like the son of God. I, I hadn't had this thought. He is God and he is man. He is as much God as if he were not man. He's as much man as if he were not God. He's completely the God man. That's, that's what this book is. This book was written by men through the Holy Spirit. And it's exactly the same thing. And, 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 and who is Jesus? He's the Word of God made flesh. I really appreciate that. Wherever you're sitting, Larry, that, that was really a blessing. Well, notice then these four things then. We talked about teaching. Remember that, that Christ that God gave personally, some to be apostles, some prophets, some pastors, and some teachers, he gave that. I'm running out of time. It's just going by so fast. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an application right here. One of the applications, if you believe that, that the word of God is the breath of God, then get under it. Get under it every chance you have. Get under the word of God. Read it. Listen to it preached. Listen to it, ta it being taught. This morning, John Hogue taught on the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. It was precious. And I wonder how many of you could be there.
if you would just come and sit under the Word of God. This one service is a great service. It, it's fabulous. I'm glad for the preachers. I love to hear Pastor Mark preach. I love it. But there's more. There's teaching going on from 9.30 to 10.15. You should, you should get under that Word. You've got to get... Martha Harrell prayed this morning, dusty Bibles. Is there, are there dusty Bibles at Heritage Baptist Church? Is there somebody here that's not reading your Bible every day? Let your television get dust on it, but don't let the Word of God get dust on it. Oh, come, come and read and, and, and be sanctified by the Word of God. Even if you only take five minutes, you'll graduate. You'll, you'll spend more and more time, but that's where you're going to see Christ. A long time ago, uh, 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 John Piper, he uh, held up his Bible. He went like this. I don't care what falls out, but, but here's what he did. He, uh, he said, if, if, if you read these pages... If you read just these Gospels and you behold Christ, this is all you read for a time. This is all you read. He said you'll have more theology, more knowledge of Jesus Christ than some of the deepest uh, a theologian. That's what he did. That's all there is. Read this. Watch Jesus. Listen to him. See what he does. What John Hogue uh, taught this morning about Jesus before Pilate and all that about Barabbas, it was splendid. I never saw it the way he taught it because we, we tend just to read, read to get it done. We got to read and contemplate and pray over it. Let me just cut to the chase. <laughs> what... What reproof is, um, according to John Calvin and to Albert Barnes, the word that's translated reproof is the same word in Hebrews 11.1 1 that speaks of, of assurance or of, of reality of the things that are hoped for. And so what they say it means is that, it, that what the word of God, it's convincing proof that brings conviction. Because the evidence is based exactly and precisely upon what God says. It is entirely satisfactory to our minds what God has spoken. We need this. We want this. We rejoice in this. It says um, it's also for correction. And what correction in this context means, this is, all, this, this is what you're going to get when you read the Word of God, when you get under the Word of God. It means restoration of something to its proper condition. Don't you want to be restored? Don't you want to be in a proper condition? Get this book. Get under that word of God. We, we want that. It means the writing of a fallen object or helping back to their feet one who has stumbled. Uh, Proverbs 24, 16 says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. He'll get up. We'll fall the complete number of times. 
we will always rise up. We will always get up. We will never stay down. The word not only gives a correction, but, but it points back to the way of godly living. And then, in the last place, it's for training in righteousness. The positive training that we need, the positive instruction that we need in order to walk according to God's standard and according to God's rule. Who doesn't want these things? Isn't that what we want? Isn't that because of, of the grace of God that's in our lives? Don't we want this more than anything else? Is there anybody here who would say, I don't think so. All I want to be, if I could live on earth and be sinless, I'd be a happy man. But God wants us to fight. And God wants us to glorify him. And God wants us to count on his promises. And God wants us to pray. And God wants us to, 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 to call out to him. Let me just close in just three minutes or four minutes with some applications. There's so much. I, I had more than I, I could put into all this. But anyway, Paul says, and it's my prayer in, in uh, uh, Philippians 1, 9, and 10, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. That's what the, that, that, that's what the Scriptures do to us. We've, we've got to have that. 1 Peter 2, 2 says, like newborn infants, desire. You don't know an infant that does not desire to get to his mom. All of you have had kids. They, oh, they, 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 they do that right from the very beginning. They, they, they have that sucking instinct. If I could think of a better word, I would. That, that impulse. That's how we should be. Like newborn infants desire the pure milk of the word so that you may grow up into your salvation. And as Jonathan Poland prayed, it's the, the Word of God expressing His rules and ordinance must be desired more than gold, much fine gold, sweeter than honey, the drippings of the honeycomb. That's what it is. Get some encouragement from John Piper. I'll stop with this. John Piper, famous man, author of over 50 books, been all over the world, fabulous preacher. Here's what he says about himself. He says, we must continue to weave the thread of God-dependent prayer in, in our reading. Show me your glory, is what he prays. Exodus 33, 18. This is the most basic reason we need to pray about our Bible reading. He, he's talking about himself. He says, we drift away from the desire to do it. Few prayers I have prayed more often than this. This is John Piper, the great man of God. I admire him so much, and many of you do. This is what he prays. He says, I have prayed this more often. I have not prayed a prayer more often than this. Lord, keep me from drifting away from your word. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. That's Psalm 119. Uh, 36. We've got to pray. 
that God will incline our hearts to his word. That's one of the things that Heritage Baptist Church needs. We need it. Let's confess it. We need it. We need to be inclined to God's word and be reading it in, in our homes, listening to podcasts, listening to sermons, getting to that Sunday school class, getting all the word you can possibly get. Come to the Lord's table tonight. Come. Come and remember Jesus. Because that's what this book is all about. Do this, he says. Do this in remembrance of me. Please come. If, if you can come, come and, and get around that table and get under the word. Pastor Mark's going to bring a devotional. Pastor Ted's going to lead it. We're going to pray. We're going to share. Come. I'll, I'll come tonight. Just two quotes and, and uh, we're done. Martin Luther says, Take me, for example. I, I opposed indulgences and all papists, but never by force. I simply taught, preached, wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. And then while I slept or drank beer with my Philip of Amsdorf, the word so greatly weakened the papacy that never... A prince or emperor did such, a, such damage to it. I did nothing. The word of God did it all. Had I wanted to start trouble, I could have started a, such a little game at Worms that even the emperor would, wouldn't have been safe. But what would that have been? A mugs game. I did nothing. I left it to the word. Charles Spurgeon says this. I love this quote. When you're sharing the gospel, you're sharing the word of God. The word of God is like a lion in a cage. You don't have to defend a lion. Let it out of the cage. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we don't know how to thank you enough for the word of God. We confess together with one voice, it's all we need. It's the scriptures alone. We rejoice in you. We rejoice in all that it contains, especially concerning Jesus Christ, our Savior. God, we want to find him there. That's, that's what the prophet spoke of. That's what he told the men on, on, on the road to Emmaus, the Psalms, the books of Moses, and, and, and the prophets, they speak of him. May we find Jesus all over the Bible. Teach us, train us, correct us, bring us to that complete day of being totally equipped. We know that we You'll never call us to anything that you're not going to equip us to do. We love you, Lord Jesus. Come and help us to praise you one more time in song. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.